a little uh, unknown fact, I think, and um, underestimated fact, is that the Bible in the Old Testament repeatedly, God commanded the people of Israel to celebrate annually certain um, milestones yep. and certain successes. And uh, I believe that when we celebrate, we are honoring God, maybe not if you eat 4,000 hot dogs, but honoring Him because celebrating helps us to remember and it brings to mind what has happened, God's faithfulness. And so we are all about that celebrating. Um, and we hope you are too, especially you with your free pies. Again, reminder, it is only to be eaten with Bluebell or if you make it yourself, made in the USA. Yeah, yeah. You, you love homemade ice cream. I do love it. But baseball, hot dogs, and apple pie. Baseball is America's favorite sport. America's sport that's been that way forever, particularly in the 50s and the 60s. Now, I grew up in Laurel, Mississippi, in the Deep South, where we did spend our summers at the ballpark. The boys were there playing, and the girls were there because the boys were there. And we spent, <laughs> I actually spent a lot of time in the concession stand. And I worked in the concession stand with the same people that worked the concession stand when my parents were young. That is the tradition in the city that I'm from. A city may be a stretch. In the town that I'm from. We're a medium-sized dot on the Mississippi map, though. So in Laurel, Mississippi, concessions and baseball are a big, big deal. And so we want to start by sharing a little clip from one of the best baseball movies ever, The Sandlot. And in that, yeah, if you've seen it, you know, give it a round of applause. It is awesome. And in this movie, we follow a group of young men who love baseball, and they spend their summer in the sandlot playing baseball, and they encounter all kinds of problems or pickles, as they call them. But sit back and watch just a little bit of it. Uh, I'm gonna go play some ball and we need an extra guy. You wanna go? No, thanks. Why not? Don't you like baseball? Oh, yeah, but, uh... But what? Uh, but my glove. It's busted. Uh, so, you know, I can't go. Thanks, though. It's okay. I got an extra one. Come on, let's go. Timmy and Tommy Timmons. Mike's Gwyn's Pelladors. Alan McLennan, we call him Yeah Yeah. Bertram Grover Weeks. Kenny DeNunez. And Hamilton Porter. We call him Ham. Guys, this is Scott Smalls. Hi. 
Yeah, um, well, he's gonna play with us because he makes nine, so now we got a whole team. We're wasting time. Let's go to the standlot. Benny, it's nine, nine o'clock in the morning. Why'd you bring him, Benny? Because there's eight of us and he makes nine. Yeah, yeah, so would my sister, but I didn't bring her. With nine guys, we got a whole team, yeah, yeah. No. With Ellswinger, we had a whole team. Ellswinger could catch and throw. Come on, Benny, man. He, he ain't game. He just saw the way through. Yeah. You already fill up all the empty positions since Ellswinger moved to Arizona. Right, and now I get to rotate eight positions instead of seven. I need to practice, guys. Smalls, you take left center, okay? Okay. Where exactly is that? It's over there, man. That's left. I said left center. Okay, right. Now, as part of our prayerful preparation for this sermon, Julie and I watched the whole movie. I cannot tell you, if your parents think it's a good idea for you, because there, there's some parts in there that are not, you know, we wouldn't use on Sunday morning, but if your parents say it's a good idea, you will be amazed at how great a movie The Sandlot is. How many of y'all have seen The Sandlot? It is absolutely, and it stands up over time. It's not one of those that you go, I remember, I love that. And then you watch it like, eh. It's unbelievable. You've got an incredible cast of the players. Obviously, there's Benny, the best player on the block, who goes on to play in the major leagues. And Smalls, you're killing me, Smalls. But, you know, as you go through the movie, my, my favorite character, without a doubt, is Squints. I love Squints. I'm not going to tell you how the story with him and Wendy Peppercorn ends, but it's great. It's great. Squints should be a role model to all of us. And then there's, of course, the beast that they encounter on the other side of the fence that they have to, to overcome their fears and conquer. And it's an incredible, incredible story. But I think what is so great about Sandlot that actually connects Fourth of July weekend to Lake Hills Church to Scripture is this incredible picture that we can actually learn something from, from a spiritual perspective. You've got this incredibly diverse group of 
kids who come from different families, different backgrounds, different nationalities, all coming together to play the same game that they love on a regular basis. But there's this guy who's just moved to town. This guy who is, at the beginning, he's an outsider. He's, he's Scotty Smalls. Of course, you're killing me, Smalls. That, Smalls, is, is where this comes from. And there's an incredible moment there that I think really the whole movie hinges on when Benny walks by his house and invites him to come play the very first day. He says, hey, man, we got a group that's playing. Why don't you come play? He's like, oh, I can't do it. I've got this cheap little glove that my grandmother gave me when I turned six. It's busted. I can't even play it. But Benny won't take no for an answer. Benny says, hey, that's all right. I got one you can use. Throws them in the glove. And you'll never, ever forget that, that tone of voice that Scotty Smalls used. Remember when he opened the front door, he goes, hey, Mom, I'm going to play ball. See you later. You, you, you could see the, the acceptance that he was experiencing, the excitement that he had because he was being included in the neighborhood group of guys. I think it's exactly why we connect the 4th of July to Jesus. It is this idea of a free-for-all, not just kind of like wild and crazy free-for-all, but the fact that the freedom Jesus Christ offers is for all, for every single one of us. There's not one person in the universe on the planet that Jesus doesn't provide freedom for. Now, obviously, on the 4th of July, as Americans, we, we celebrate our freedoms. We, we recognize, and as Julie said, we, we look back and remember the price that has been paid for our freedom so that we live a life worthy of that price. But it's, it's important to remember the, the opening lines just after the preamble to the Declaration of Independence when the Declaration says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all, say all, all, all men are created equal. All men. The Bible goes on to say all men and all women are created equal in the eyes of God. Therefore, those of us who are on the team, those of us who have been invited to play at some other point along the way, need to remember that there are those who haven't yet been invited to be a part of the team, to be a part of playing the game. And I think that the... Um Pivotal moment. Is your mic on? Did I turn my mic on? Yes, I must have. Oh. <laughs> my amplification. Some say I don't need it, but, um, you know, just since you have yours on, I'll use mine. But <laughs> the, uh, the invitation that Benny extends to Smalls literally changed his life forever. And in the New Testament, actually, do I have any of my LHC kids in here? Say, here I am, Miss Julie. Oh, perfect. Okay, great, great. Okay, we're ready then. So we know that in the Bible, it's divided into two parts. Help me out. In the? And the? Very good. In this story that we're going to talk about today, Jesus is telling the story. That's your clue. So we know that the Old Testament, it tells about way before Jesus was born. But the New Testament tells about when and very good. Okay, so here's the deal. If our story today is a story that Jesus told 
Would it be in the Old Testament or in the New Testament? Oh, good job. Look at all my thinkers out there. So actually, Jesus is telling this story. I got one more. Parents, be over, you're just going to be overwhelmed by their knowledge. I think we knowledge. need to start doing this in big church. Uh, oh, that's kind of fun. New Testament. This How do you is, do that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait till you see. Jazz hands. <laughs> okay, guys, don't leave me hanging on this one. So in the New like Testament, this. the first... Wait till you, you will be wowed by this one. The first four books of the New Testament are, ready, Matthew. Stop it right now. And when we smush them together, oh wait, we're just getting started. When we smush them together, we call them the, and gospel simply means, I'm not even kidding. Thank you very much. I think we Out can all go home now. Out of the mouths of babes. Well, in the, third, in the third gospel, in the book of Luke, this is a recording of Jesus telling a story. Jesus traveled around and taught during his adult ministry. And the brilliance of Jesus is that he always knew his audience. And because he knew his audience, he would teach by telling stories. We call them parables. And so he wanted his audience to hear the story and then grab the spiritual truth that he was trying to make. And those are what we call parables. And this is in the book of Luke in chapter 14, and it's the parable of the wedding feast. And it is about an invitation. And there's something for all of us to learn from today's parable. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. They have apple pie. But I added that part. But they all began making excuses. Everyone who was invited, they began making excuses. Some said, oh, I just bought a field and I need to go inspect it. Please excuse me. I just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to go try them out. Please excuse me. I just got married, so I can't come. I don't know what that means. But I mean, <laughs> well, I so... Then, though, this is the important part. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. Remember, all of the people who were invited, they said, "Mm, no, thank you for the invitation, but I'm busy. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets, into the alleys of the town, and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he came back. There is still room for more, he told. So let's say that again. There There is is still still room room for more. Say it like you mean it. Ready? There There is is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge everyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Remember, he said, there is still room for more. So they said, we want our house full. And then the master said, for none of those who I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. So there's so much to learn from this parable here. But I think as the local church, you see Jesus in this, his audience here, they were the religious leaders, the leaders of the church. So he was speaking specifically to the religious leaders. And he was saying to them, hey, Be careful. 
Be careful. I've given you the invitation, but many of you take it for granted now. And so as the local church, we read this parable and Jesus wants us to learn that he issues the, us, uh, he issues the invitation to us to be part of the bride of Christ. And we are to respond and be part of the bride of Christ, be part of the local church. That's what we can learn. And then also... As those familiar with church, we can never forget that there are men and women, boys and girls, who are not familiar with church, who do not know about Jesus, who do not know that Jesus invites everyone to his banquet, everyone to his feast, the ultimate feast of eternal life. And so as we're reading here and Jesus is telling the story and he says he sent out the invitation to all because there is room for more. And we always want to remember. We always, as the church, want to pray, God, help me remember to keep my eyes open, to see when I have an opportunity to invite someone to join at the banquet. Help me to remember that Jesus' invitation to freedom for all is for all and not to grow I don't know, just kind of complacent and church becomes common. But God, help me see when I can invite someone and remind me all the time, especially at Lake Hills Church, at all churches, there's always room for more. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's room for more. There's room for more. God's desire here is that his house is full. And that is what Jesus, how he ended that parable. He said, invite them all so that my house will be full. What a message for us to remember. What a message as the local church. And then also as those who believe in Jesus to remember Jesus's invitation is for all. Because of Jesus, the ultimate feast, the banquet, eternal life, because of Jesus, salvation is free for all. Free for all. You know, I think it's important, too, to remember for those maybe who've been around church for a long time and maybe have been believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus for a long time, don't ever forget that what we've been invited to is a feast. It is, it is, a, it is a banquet table to blow your mind. I think this was another part of the story that Jesus was using for those religious leaders because for them, and sometimes it's possible in our world and in our lives, we can get kind of focused on the rules and the regulations and, and it becomes so common that it becomes dry. And Jesus is like, no, uh -uh. thanks for playing. I've invited you to a feast. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, overflowing and abundant. It is this feast that God invites us to, which I think actually parallels apple pie yet again. I think, it, it, to me, apple pie is just one of the great joys of life. I, I don't think I'm stepping too far out on a limb. And I found this quote about apple pie that I want to use in connection to the feast that we've been invited to. This is from the New York Times, so you know it's true, in 1902. 1902. Pie is the secret of our strength as a nation. And the foundation of our industrial supremacy. 
Pie is the American synonym of prosperity. Pie, I love this line. This is, you're going to want to write this down. Pie is the food of the heroic. No pie-eating people can be permanently vanquished. Is that great? I love that. Now, obviously, we read that, and it's kind of like, they may have overstated the case for pie. Maybe. Maybe. But you can't overstate the case for the banquet that we've been invited to. For what God makes available to us in a relationship with Jesus. And we had an incredible, incredible privilege. I, I wish that we had the means or the technology to, to share what Julie and I got to see this past week with our high school students on Beach Week. I'm going to tell you something. You need to know that you, the rest of the church, are doing what God has called us to do, to be a church of all generations, committed to reaching the next generation. Because I'm going to tell you something. They ain't the next generation. They're the now generation. And they are making it happen all over the place. Unbelievable. And, and so the theme for Beach Week this year was lifeguard, which is appropriate because, you know, it's lifeguard, you're at the beach. But it was rooted in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4, 23 says, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. And this is what Jesus has invited us into, the, the course of our life, this banquet that is a relationship with him. A people who come to the banquet table of Jesus will never be vanquished. This is the source of our, not industrial, but our spiritual strength, our emotional, our relational, our community strength is this banquet of Jesus. It goes on to say in the Bible in Revelation that when Christ returns, he will take us back to the wedding feast of the bridegroom, of Jesus, that heaven will be the ultimate expression of this feast. But even in this life, we get to experience this feast of a life, the fullness of everything that Jesus offers us, which again takes me back to when Benny shows up on the front step of Small's house. Small's who's sitting there, he's He's wrapped around the axle of being a new kid in a new town with a new dad. He doesn't know how to play the game. But one guy, interestingly enough, the best player on the team, stepped outside of himself and said, hey, we want to include you. We, we want to make you a part of the group. Spiritual maturity, spiritual excellence steps outside of itself to always remember those who aren't yet on the field, who aren't yet a part of the team, and to say, hey, you want to play? You, you, you want to play? Come on. I'll, I'll help you. I'll show you. You just, you just stick that glove up, and I'll take care of the rest. That is a spiritually mature person. There is no such thing as a spiritually mature person who doesn't invite other people to be a part of the team. Julie and I, we, we've been married for 26 glorious years, and it's possible, it's possible when you've been married as long as we have to sometimes 
get into kind of a rut. I've heard. This has never happened to us, but we know people. And, and what happens, is it's not so much that familiarity breeds contempt as it is familiarity breeds complacency. And you, you kind of just, it just kind of, you just go along and you just kind of one day after the other, one foot in front of the other, instead of remembering this incredible privilege that we have to be married, the privilege that I have to be her husband is something that I should never be complacent about or should become common. And I learned so much about marriage on a trip to New Orleans about 15 years ago. Julie and I have been to New Orleans multiple times in our life. She grew up in South Mississippi. I grew up in Houston. I love New Orleans. The reason we love New Orleans, the food. Just, just plain and simple, the food. But on this particular trip, Julie's dad had called from Mississippi. He said, Julie, I want to take Emily, Catherine, and Joseph to New Orleans. These children need beignets. He meant it. He and, meant it. And so we did. We went to, to New Orleans, met Julie's mom and dad down there. And it was the most fascinating trip because as many times as we had been to New Orleans before, all of a sudden we saw New Orleans with fresh eyes because we were looking at it through the eyes of Emily and Joseph who were seeing it for the first time. And, and because they were, they were so young, we were like, just keep your eyes straight ahead. Don't look at the signs. We're on our way to get beignets, or maybe we're going to get a shrimp po' boy, but just look straight ahead and we'll keep going, okay? But that was the most fun trip that we've ever had to New Orleans because we were sharing it with somebody that had never experienced it before. Church will never be dull for those who share it with those who've never experienced it before. You will never, ever sit in church with your arms spiritually and emotionally crossed, asking yourself, what's in it for me, when you're inviting people around you who don't yet know how much God loves them to be a part of this incredible, incredible feast. In 1 Timothy 2, verse 6, this is what it says. He, meaning Jesus, he gave his life. Let's just stop there. He gave his life. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Jesus is the message. Jesus is the message of freedom. And he gave his life for freedom for whom? Everyone. Everyone. What Jesus offers is free for all. And if you have received it, awesome. But God knows that there are people in your life, in your sphere of influence, who have not yet. And that is your responsibility. If you go all the way back to when we were looking at Benny's invitation to Smalls. Benny says to Smalls, do you want to play? Do you want to join us? Do you want to be on the team? And at first, Smalls says no. We can learn there. That sometimes people will say no at first, but Benny did not stop. He said, oh, come on, you can come with us. And it changed Small's life forever. It changed it forever because of Benny's courage, because of Benny's thoughtfulness, because Benny had his eyes open on the way to the sandlot and noticed that there was someone who wasn't enjoying the sandlot yet. And so we can learn from that. But Small's also had a responsibility. Smalls 
first said no, but he had to respond. He had to choose. He had to choose, no, I won't, or yes, I will. And he chose, yes, I will. You see, Jesus issues the invitation, offers the invitation. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, an abundant life, an overflowing life, a life better than you can imagine. But as the listener, we have a responsibility. We choose, no, I don't want to receive it, or yes, I will. The first choice that we make is, yes, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I step into relationship with you. I receive what you have given to me, and I want to live with you as Lord of my life forever. That's the first time we respond, yes or no. But then second, some of us, we have stepped into a relationship with Jesus. We have accepted that forgiveness, but we're not living in the freedom. So there's our second responsibility. We must choose each day, Jesus, thank you for giving me the freedom. I will live in your freedom today. Maybe you accepted Jesus a long time ago. Maybe you accepted him last year. But are you choosing to respond, yes, I will live in the freedom that Jesus offers every single day. And so we have to choose. I can live over here fearful or I can step into fearless. I can live over here isolated, or I can choose to be a part, and I can belong to the community. I can live over here in misery, or I can choose joy. That is our response. It's our choice. I would love to choose it for everyone, but you must do your own RSVP. Jesus issues the invitation. Now it is your responsibility to RSVP. I love the 4th of July. I love it. It's, it's a day to hang out with family. I have already, already selected the perfect brisket that I will be smoking all day on Tuesday this coming week. And it is, and we hope it's perfect after I've smoked it, but I've already selected it. It's the right size, packer cut, the whole thing. But the fact of the matter is, all of that is only as fun as the people you get to share it with. It's only as much fun as you enjoy being around those people. You don't have to know the entire Bible, Genesis to Maps, to extend an invitation. So many of us are worried, well, what if they ask me a question I'm not going to know? It's going to happen. Tell your neighbor right now, you don't know it all. You don't know it all. You might have enjoyed that a little too much, but... <laughs> So the next step is, I don't know, but let's find out together. It's that personal touch. You give someone a place to belong before they find something to believe. You give them a place to belong, then they choose to believe. But it is a choice. And, and it's, it's binary. It's, it's yes or no, in computer speak, it would be zeros and ones, and, and, and it's there for the taking. Now, if you're here this weekend and, and you have said yes to Jesus, then that means that you have submitted your life to him. I want to ask everybody to do something real quick, just, just real quickly. If you will, kind of sit up straight and, and put your arm over your head like this. 
Just, just hold it there, okay? This is the international symbol for umbrella. A lot of people didn't know that because I just made it up. But it is now the international symbol for umbrella. Our students know where I'm going with this. God places an umbrella of authority over our lives. Now, the fact is that you can do this. And be careful. Don't do this quickly because you don't want to hit the person next to you. But just do this. Okay? It's not a motor skills test. It's not that hard. Just, just take it off. You can step out from underneath the umbrella of authority. You can absolutely live your life away from the authority that God has placed there. But here's what happens. When we step outside the umbrella of authority, we step away from the blessings of God, the protection of God, the provision of God, and ultimately relationship with God. Because when God, don't put those arms down just yet, we're not done yet. When God places that over our lives, that is an expression of amazing grace. God's authority is always grace. Because God's authority radiates out of the one who will never become a tyrant. He will never play the tyrant in our lives. You can put your arms down now. I wanted your arms to get a little tired. Mission accomplished. But the fact of the matter is, submitting to the authority of God is not easy. Don't, it is for all, but it's not easy. It requires a conscious choice. It requires, as Julie said, that RSVP to Jesus' invitation. If you're here today and you've never stepped into that relationship, we want to give you the opportunity to do that. What better way to celebrate freedom than not a declaration of independence, but a declaration of dependence. Dependence upon God who will never take advantage of our surrender. God who will only use our surrender for his glory and our good. Because that's the, what we were created for, was this relationship that Jesus provides. I want to ask you, if you will, just for a moment, bow your heads. As, as we enter into a moment, into a time of prayer as a, as a church family, I, I want to just encourage you. And, and honestly, I want to challenge you a little bit just to, just to confront your reality. Have you responded to Jesus' initiative, to Jesus' invitation? The answer is yes or no. If your answer is yes, then I want to invite you to be praying with everything that you've got right now. But if the answer for you is no, or, or maybe not yet, why not right now? Why not right now? Step into the freedom which Jesus purchased through the cross and resurrection. Just right where you're sitting, pray a prayer of beginning, a prayer of commitment. Just silently talk to God. He's perfect and he, he knows your heart already. 
but he's inviting you into a relationship. And that, that requires communication. That's prayer. You just pray right where you are, this prayer of beginning in your own words. Just say something like this. Just silently talk to God and say, Jesus, I need you. And Jesus, I want your freedom. And so I accept your invitation to this feast of a life. I confess my sin to you. I claim your forgiveness. And I will follow you from this moment forward with everything I have. Jesus, I pray this prayer in your name. I want to ask you just to remain in a spirit of prayer for a moment. But it's a holy moment. If that was your prayer and you meant it, then you're in the perfect place because you're surrounded by people who want to help, who want to be a, a family of faith for you, with you. And so I want to ask you to do just a couple of things before you leave this morning. First of all, if you would, just take the program that, that you got when you came in today and fill out that Connect card. And, and just indicate there, I committed my life to Christ this week. And then once, you've, once you fill that out, just tear it off at the perforation. And before you leave, just briefly... Hand it to one of our ushers or maybe to someone under the, the blue tent out there on the big front porch as you walk out. That just allows us to, to help at whatever pace works for you, but we've got to know it. And then second of all, if that was your prayer, that declaration of dependence upon Jesus, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand up high over your head and hold it there for a moment. Because as you hold your hand up, you're stamping this moment in your life. Because I promise you this, there will come a day when you will ask yourself or you will wonder, man, was that real? Did that really happen? And by raising your hand, that's just a, a physical declaration and a stamp that this is real that God did it and you responded. But it's also a stamp in the life of this church because there's nothing more important to us. The whole reason we exist is to grow the community of Christ one life at a time. And so this moment in your life is why we exist. It's why we work. It's why we get up in the morning. It's why we give. It's why we pray. It's, it's everything to us. And so we honor that and we celebrate that. And the family tradition around here is as you put your hands down, we like to put our hands together to tell you, welcome home. Welcome home and happy, happy Dependence Day, Freedom Day.